and he's worthy of all of our praises. Hallelujah. But we move to the point in the service where each of you can participate. Of giving, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9 and 6 through 8, the NIV, it says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able. This is why uh, it's okay to give. This is why we can give not grudgingly. Because God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And we pray that prayer right now, Lord. Allow this offering, allow the tithes of God that are given into this house to be blessed abundantly. Oh God, bless each and every one that has it to give. Allow us to give as cheerful givers, not grudgingly. And your word says, oh God, that you will bless us. And Lord, the work that comes out of this church will abound abundantly within this community, within this city, and within this world, we won't cease to give you praise, glory, honor, and worship to our one true King. Amen. At this time, you can come give in the offering. We have the uh, bag, and we also have opportunity for you to give by card.
I give honor to Pastor C, Sister C, and all the ministry here. I give honor to my wife and my daughter. I love them. Amen. It is our custom to stand for the reading of the word. So if you're able to stand, I ask that you please stand this morning. Amen. I trust that this word is going to help somebody today. Amen. Matthew chapter 12. Begin reading at verse 1 through 14. I do have quite a bit of scripture, but I'm going to. It'll help me build my case today. Amen. <clears throat> Matthew 12, chapter, 12th chapter, verses 1 through 14. At that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn. And his disciples were in hunger and began to pluck the ears of corn to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. And he said unto them, Have ye not read what David did when he was hungered? And they that were with him, how he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priest. Or have ye read in the law how that, the, how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? But I say unto you that in this place there is one greater than the temple. But if ye had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. Ye would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is the Lord even of a Sabbath day. See, they didn't know who they were talking to. And when he was departed thence, he went... He went into their synagogue, and behold, there was a man which had, which had his hand withered. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on Sabbath days? These guys are unbelievable. That they might accuse him. Verse 11. And he said unto him, What man shall there be among you? This is common sense. What man shall there be among you that shall have one of the sheep fall into the pit on the Sabbath day? And he will lay hold on it and lift it. And lift it out. How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. Therefore saith he to the man. This at this point he was just yanking their chain. But he said, He said to the man, Stretch forth thy hand, and he stretched it forth, and it and it was restored whole, like as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and held counsel against him how they might destroy him. Amen. For the next few minutes, my title is going to be Mercy Trumps the Law. Mercy Trumps the Law. Brother Parks, would you ask the Lord's blessing? Lord, the word that is true no matter what. Oh God, we thank you, Jesus. Oh, that you come to our aid, oh Lord God, through your word. You speak to us through our hearts, through our minds, and through our souls. And you're going to do that today, oh God, as you anoint Brother Fowler to preach that word. Oh God, and you open our ears and allow us to be attentive to that word. Oh God, we thank you, Lord, that on this Sunday we came in not according to tradition, but we came, Lord, under the anointing of your word for our lives to be changed. Oh, through this word, change our lives. Let us apply it to our daily lives. Oh, that we may be changed and drawn nearer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. The Pharisees were upset that the disciples began to pick the corn and began to eat. They were upset because they were trying to catch the master, being Jesus, up in the technicality of the law. Does anyone know someone like that who's always concerned about what everyone else is doing and, and really they need to be minding their own business? The Pharisees, the Pharisees presented a front that they were trying to honor the Sabbath. But in my opinion, the real reason for their dialogue with the Master was they were trying to catch Jesus up in the technicality of the Scripture. It's very interesting to me that they would try to use the Word of God against the Word of God incarnate. The Pharisees failed to understand that the Sabbath was designed to benefit people. Their view of the Sabbath placed unnecessary burdens on people to live by. Jesus cited the fact that David was hungry and he ate the forbidden showbread in the temple. The reason that David, hear me, the reason that David was allowed to do that is because his need overrode the letter of the law. Jesus also cited the fact that the priests on duty in the temple would work on the Sabbath day because the people's need of mercy compelled the priests to profane the Sabbath and offer sacrifices. The priests didn't have a whole lot to say about that. Every time the Pharisees would challenge the master, he was able most of the time, well, in fact, all the time, I won't say most, that's dumb. All the time, he was able to make them look silly. Hosea 6 and 6. Look at that next slide, Brother Steve. For I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. And then Hosea 4, 1 and 2. Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. For the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. By swearing and lying and killing and stealing, committing adultery, they break out and blood touches blood. Hosea 6 and 6 is the reference to the scripture that Jesus was talking about in verse 7 of our opening passage. But Hosea 4, 1 and 2 are linked to this as well. But something I want to draw out from there, the word mercy here in these passages can also be translated as compassion. It goes beyond the covenantal or legal obligation. It also denotes kindness, often undeserved kindness. Israel practiced indifference towards their neighbors while at the same time being proud of the fact that they were keepers of the covenants. God's scolding of Israel here is because they failed to recognize that the basis of covenant is compassion and not simply obligation. Covenant is based upon the knowledge of who, of who and what God is and His compassion. To, to truly know God is to understand the immense love of God and the fact that God is the very definition of love. God is love. Many Christians in our world today choose to live by the letter of the law. They are concerned with every jot and every tittle of the law, that they miss the very nature of the law, and that is having compassion. And so doing, they violate the entirety of the law because Jesus said that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, 
mind and love thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus said it. He said, on these two commandments hang everything else. Hang all the law and all the prophets on these two things. The issue with the law, the issue with the law is that it offered a problem with no solution. Man's default was sin. If we're honest with ourselves today, before we come to God, we have a default, and that default is sin. Some people are worse than others. If we would gauge that on a scale of 1 to 10, some, and I don't know how you do that, but some people, this sin is worse, I don't know. Some, some people's default is a lot worse than other people's default. That's who we are in our nature. When, but when Jesus died, it gave us an escape route from our sinful flesh. The Bible said the wages of sin are of death. Or the wages of sin are death. They're the same as they always have been. They've never been reduced. They've never been changed. But Jesus dying on the cross, He bore our sin and He nailed it to the cross. We therefore have been granted mercy that trumps the penalty of sin if we have the blood of Jesus applied to our lives. There's a modern day movement and I don't understand it, but the more I think about it, you know, I, I used to think that it was, it was something that was new, but the Bible said that there's nothing new under the sun. The Word of God even talks about things now that we were shocked and, and, and all about. But there's a modern day movement among the charismatics, and it's, it's the philosophy of sin as much as you want, and I've talked about it before, but sin as much as you want, Sin as deep as you want because God's mercy and grace will be there to forgive you. That's not what I'm talking about. In fact, Jude, Jude chapter 1 verse 4 warned against this. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a certain way that we have to live. We're expected to live as children of God. If however someone sins, we have the duty to restore them, reconcile them back to, the, back to Christ. In fact, there's a scripture in the New Testament. I don't have it in my notes, but it says that we've been given the, the ministry, the spirit of reconciliation. The adoption of this form of living refuses to accept a transformed life and behavior and adopts a carefree attitude that says, it doesn't matter how often I sin because the grace of God will cover it. Someone in here today, under the sound of my voice, you've been lied to by the enemy. You think that you have to get good to get God. But newsflash, you can't get good enough to get God. That's why we need God. You see, if it were any other way, we wouldn't need saving. We wouldn't be sinners. We wouldn't be born sinners. And we know that's not true. Some of you in here have listened to the lies of the enemy that has said you have went too far. But I want to tell you that by standards of the law, you're guilty. But I hear mercy. I hear mercy speaking. And yet speaketh and says, hold on a minute, I've got this covered. Several years ago, 
This was before we moved to Georgia. I had a business trip that took me to Atlanta. And uh, at the time, we lived in West Virginia, and uh, there was a couple of my colleagues, and we had traveled. And um, we'd been, we'd dri we drove most of the day, so we retired. We got in, got to our hotel, went to go get something to eat. So we found a place that was fairly close to the hotel. So we, I think we maybe even walked there. So we, so we go over to the restaurant. It was around Christmas time. It was, I think it was two weeks or so before Christmas. So we get there, and um, the maitre d' meets us at the door and says, um, it's going to be a few minutes, or you'll have to wait. We've got a Christmas party going on. That's, it's kind of got everything in the restaurant tied down. He said, if you, if you can wait 15 or 20 minutes, we can get you a seat. And we said, that's no problem. So a few minutes later, they come out, take us back. They, they see us. There was a, the Christmas party that was going on, most of it was in the, sort of in the bar area that was sort of isolated from the rest of the restaurant. And there was probably, I don't know, 50 people in there. So we go back, we sit down, give us our menus. And then a few minutes later, there was a group from the party, from the Christmas party that came back, sat down, and they were going to eat their meal. There was probably 15 or 20 of them at that point that had come back. And this was a very nice restaurant. Probably, probably one of the nicest restaurants I've ever been in. So we go back, we sit down, they come in, they sit down, we order, our food comes about the same time. Um, so um, we're, we're finishing up our meal, we're just sort of waiting for the check. So the, um, they, they bring the other tables bill out. And I, was, I wasn't trying to eavesdrop. They were just sitting right beside me, so I naturally heard. But um, <laughs> he gave the guy the bill, and he looked at it, and it was the receipt was like, it was like that long. He's like, well, that's, he said, that's $18,000. He said, I, don't, I can't put that on my P card. He's like, just, he's like, we do this every year. He said, just, just send us an invoice. We'll pay it. So they, they went back and forth. So they, they got it worked out. So they left. So they, they walked out of the room. We were in a room in the back corner that was kind of shut off. It had doors. So they left. So we're just sitting there talking. You know. So we're waiting. We're waiting. We're waiting. Finally, the, the waiter comes back and he looks at us. And he's like, he kind of has a funny look on his face. He's like, do y'all need something? We're like, yeah, we, we're tired. We want to go to bed. Like, can we get our bill? And uh, he said, he's like, oh, he said, you mean you weren't with them? Oh, no. Like, well, no, we weren't with them. And we were, I mean, when I say it was nice, I mean, there was four of us. I, our bill was probably going to be six or seven hundred dollars. Um, so, so we were waiting and he's like, he just kind of laughed and he's like, well, we, he's like, they took care of your ticket because we thought you were all together. And I'm like, so we're like, well, you know, we want to we pay. We want to do the right thing. He's like, you know what? Don't even worry about it. He's like, we had a really good night. We made a lot of money. Don't even worry about it. We'll make a right thing. So we left. My point is our bill was paid. Our tab was paid. Just like your sins and just like my sins, the tab has been paid. You might say, Rev, you don't know how bad my past is. You don't know what, 
what kind of sin has been in my life. The reality is, is that if you have if, if, if you have a sin and have a past and have not been baptized in Jesus' name, you can be baptized in the name of Jesus and have the blood of Jesus cover your life. Y'all thought Brother Fowler was going to get up here and not talk about baptism. The blood of Jesus is applied to your life through the waters of baptism. When, when the blood is applied to your life, that's all that Jesus can see. I talked about it one of the other times I've spoke, but I heard a message one time, that's, and the title of the message was, Don't Go Fishing in the Sea of Forgetfulness. The reality is that man can look at you, man can see what, what you've done, they can remember your past, but when the blood of Jesus covers you, God says, I'll take your seat, I'll cast them into the sea of forgetfulness, and I won't remember those things. It's time that we take the limits off the atonement. Take the limits off the blood of Jesus. You might say, oh preacher, it's getting bad in the world. The sin is getting worse and worse. My response to that is, yes, it is. But I'm also going to tell you, the darker the night, the brighter the light. Where sin doth abound, grace did much more abound. The problem, the sin problem in our world is an opportunity for grace to shine in our lives. Turn, if you will, to Exodus chapter 25. Exodus 25 verses 10 through 22. And they shall make an ark of shit of wood. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. And thou shalt overlay with pure gold. Within and without thou shalt overlay it, and shalt make, make upon it a crown of gold round about. And thou shalt cast four rings of gold for it, and put them in the four corners thereof. And the two rings... Shall be, shall be in the one side of it, and the two rings on the other side of it. And thou shalt make two staves of shittim wood, and overlay it, and overlay them with gold. If I'm not saying that word right, Brother Parks will correct me after church. And thou shalt, and thou shalt put the staves into the rings by the sides of the ark, that the ark may be borne with them. The staves shall be in the rings of the ark; they shall not be taken from it. And thou shalt put the ark. Yet thou shalt put into the ark the testimony which I shall give thee. Verse 17. This is key. I'm going to come back to this, but I want to kind of highlight it here. Thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof. Verse 18. Thou shalt make two cherubims of gold. A beaten work shalt thou make them. In the two ends of the mercy seat, verse 19, this is a lot of reading, but I promise you I'm, I'm going somewhere with it. And make one cherub on, on the one end, and the other cherub on the other end. Even of the mercy seat shall ye make the cherubims 
on the two ends thereof. And this is two more scriptures that I want to highlight. Verse 20 and 21. Verse 20. And the cherubim shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings. And their faces, their faces, their faces shall look one to another towards, towards, towards. I'm driving something home here. Towards the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubims be. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above, 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 upon the ark, and in the ark. Okay, so picture in your mind the ark of the covenant. Thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee. Verse 22. And there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat. From between the two cherubims, which are upon the ark of the testimony of all things, which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. We see in this passage that, and if I'm going to give you a little backdrop here for the rest of the chapter. But we see in this passage that God, the Almighty God, is giving Moses the instruction for the construction of the Ark of the Covenant, which the Ark of the Covenant, if you don't know, is the Old Testament. It's the representation of the presence of God. It contained the, there was a few various things, but one of the key things that it contained was the law, the, the, the Ten Commandments that God had given. So the rest of chapter 25, God is giving instructions to Moses on the other pieces of furniture that's going to go into the tabernacle. But as I said, I wanted to go back. So verse 17, if you have your Bibles, look, look at that. If, Brother Steve, if you could. Praise the Lord, he's already got it. Verse 17 is what I want to focus on. If we look at the construction of the ark, God gives measurements for what he wants. Something very interesting here that I found. When he talks about the mercy seat. Something very interesting. He gives a length. He gives a width. He doesn't give a depth. He doesn't give a breadth. In other words, there's no depth to the mercy of God. Maybe, maybe, hear me, hear me. Maybe, just maybe God... Forgot to tell Moses the height or the depth. I'm kidding, of course. God doesn't forget. If there was no depth to the mercy in the Old Testament, have I got good news for you? The Bible said that grace has appeared to all men. The veil of the temple was torn. And we now have access to the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies is where the mercy seat sits. We have access. The Bible instructs us come boldly to the throne of grace. Many people, many people may say the idea of mercy is something new. The idea of mercy was never found in the Old Testament. But I'm here to tell you, mercy was found in the Old Testament. 
It's not too late. You're not too lost. God's grace and mercy can find you. He can reach for you. The fact that you were here this morning is evidence that God loves you. You could have been dead. You could have been strung out on drugs. You could have been in prison. But the grace and the mercy of God is reaching. It's not too late. You've not gone too far. You have breath in your body. I think God is reaching for you. Let's look at verse 20. My time is quickly vanishing. I'm not long-winded like Brother Munden. <laughs> amen, if the, amen if the musicians would get ready. Let's now look at verse 20. The cherubim's focus is upon the mercy seat. They weren't looking down towards the law. They were looking towards the seat of mercy. If you found yourself in trouble, look towards the seat of mercy. If you found yourself in here this morning in the presence of a holy God, look towards the seat of mercy. If you're new in Christ and just finding your way, but struggling with your carnality, struggling with your desires of the flesh, look towards the seat of mercy. If you're a seasoned saint and struggling with forgiveness, look towards the seat of mercy. If you are a minister, you are struggling with overcoming the desires of your flesh, look towards the seat of mercy. If you are lost and can't find your way, look towards the seat of mercy. Come on, are you seeing a pattern here? If you're worried about the mistakes of your past that you have tried to outrun, and you're worried that they're going to catch up with you, look towards the seat of mercy. If, condem if condemnation is keeping you up at night, Look towards the seat of mercy. Verse 21. Verse 21. And thou shalt put the mercy seat. This is, my, this is the crux of my point here today. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark. And in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee. This is my, the crux of my thought here this morning. Mercy is above the law. I don't think it's coincidence that the mercy seat in the Old Testament was positioned above the law. It had no height and no depth given to it. God wanted it clear that no matter how great our sin was or how much mercy we needed, there was no depth. There was no limit to the mercy and the grace of God that He could provide. The law is rigid. It's very black and white. And the penalties were very clear. In the Old Testament, if you were guilty of violating one part of the law, you were guilty of the whole law. Mercy has no bottom to it. The boundaries of God's mercy are clear, but the depth is something that mankind cannot comprehend. When we compare the Old and the New Testaments, we could ask someone outside of the faith who would have perhaps a basic understanding of the Bible to describe the differences between the Old and the New Testament. And almost all of them would say law for the old 
mercy for the new with the coming of Jesus Christ. The fact that God in the Old Testament placed the mercy seat above the law shows how much grace and how much mercy are contained within the scriptures of God's word. One writer said it like this, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. If you know anything about geography, east and west are something that's very unique. North and south is defined because I can go north, but at some point I'm going to be traveling south. That's why you have the north and the south poles. But east and west have no, they're infinite. There's no boundaries. I'm trying to paint a picture for you this morning. And you can stand to your feet. I'm almost done. What the world says and what the enemy has told you is that you have no hope. That you're lost. That you're dead in your sins and your trespasses. But I've come with a word this morning. I've come to remind you that God's grace and His mercy are above the law. No matter what the sentence is that's been rendered against you in your life, God's mercy can trump the law every time. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 through 26. These altars are open. These altars are open this morning. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Verse 24. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. To the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. The altars are open. I'm done. God's presence is here. God's mercy and His grace are here. If you're here and you've not been baptized, the waters of the waters of baptistry are warm this morning. Amen. You need to have the blood of Jesus applied to your life. Let's pray. God of heaven, we love you today. God, I thank you today for your grace. God, I thank you for your mercy, God, that has found me. God, in my depth, in the depths of my sin and my despair, God, you were right there. God, there's nowhere that I can't go. One writer said, I could go. I can make my bed in hell, and thou art there. I could go to the deepest depths of the ocean, and there I'll find your presence with me. There's nowhere that you can't go that God's presence cannot find you. There's no depths of sin that you can go to that his love and his compassion cannot find me. God is calling for you this morning. His presence is here. Why don't you respond to the word of the Lord today? Respond to the presence of God that's in this house. Oh, God, I love you. God, I thank you today. God, I, I lean upon you. God, I trust upon your word today. God, your compassions fail not. Great is your faithfulness, oh God. Great is your mercy. Great is your grace, oh God. God, I thank you. God, I love you and I worship you today. God, you're faithful. You're just. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God, I thank you. God, I praise you. Oh, God, you're good. Lord, there's nobody like
you. There's no God like our God. There's no name like the name of Jesus. His name is higher, more exalted. Oh, hallelujah. There's nothing that you can do that can surprise him. There's no sin that's too great for him today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
of God. What a word for the saints. I want to go through a list here. If you have any questions about the things that are in that book of the law, you shall have no other God before me. You shall make no idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And you shall not covet. And out of all of those, the sins that we've committed falls into one. And this brother has let us know that mercy is above all of those laws. Amen. So anything that we walked in with, we don't have to walk back out of here with. Because mercy is above the law. Thank you so much, Reverend Father, for giving us that word of encouragement for our lives to be changed and right before the Lord. Amen. Amen. That mercy was in the Old Testament. Amen. Good word. Appreciate that, sir. It's a word for my soul. Amen. I can take it away from here. Amen. Well, I want to give you the announcements before we dismiss. Uh, we have fireworks this week, so if you uh, have an opportunity, make sure that you see the sign-up sheet out front. Uh, sign up for a day to uh, volunteer and help out at the uh, fireworks stand, which is out in front of uh, Walmart. Please come by and, uh, and help out at the fireworks stand. Please sign up. Uh, we want to make sure that we schedule the times wisely. And also, uh, this week's Tuesday service will be fireworks and praise. Fireworks and praise. So that is going to be at 2 p.m. 10 p.m. I'm looking at 10 and saying 2. Please don't come at 2 p.m. It'll be very, very hot. <laughs> But you can come to the fireworks stand. That will be on the 4th of July at 2 p.m. If you want, at 10 p.m., fireworks and praise right here uh, for our Tuesday service. Please come, uh, invite someone, and also bring a chair and your family to fireworks and praise. Please stand with me. Please uh, turn your attention to the bulletin for the rest of the announcements. Lord, we thank you for the word we received. Oh God, go out before us, protect us and keep us until we return. Lord, let us apply this word that your mercy is above the law to our lives throughout this week. Return here with expectation, lifting up and praising your name. In Jesus' name we pray. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.